Welcome to American Players Theater Talk Backs to Go. I'm Buzz Kemper, and I invite you to take a walk up the hill with Orange Schroeder and me as Orange chats with actor Brian Monney and director Tim O'Sell about APT's production of The Merry Wives of Windsor by William Shakespeare. We're here to talk about The Merry Wives of Windsor by Shakespeare, and we have Tim O'Sell, the director, and Sir John Falstaff himself, Brian Money, who is going to uh, help us uh, understand this character who is repeated a number of times in Shakespeare's work, but uh, appears posthumously in The Merry Wives of Windsor after being uh, after dying, I believe, in one of the... Um, yeah, I, I is, guess. Is that the order? Well, we're not, I don't really know if that's true, whether, whether Merry Wives of Windsor was written after Henry V... I mean, no one really knows when this stuff was written anyway. And we're actually even having trouble placing this play in the timeline of that. Is it between Henry IV, Part Two, and Henry V, or is it a prequel to the Henry IV series? I have at times tried to think of him w- w- without busying my mind with the, the histories um, of, of thinking of Falstaff and Merry Wives as the precursor to the history of Falstaff. Um, even though there are some uh, plot points that seem to suggest it does come in the middle somewhere. But I feel like this is, you know, freshly pressed in my mind. This is the Falstaff that had never been before. So, But I think he does. He It is sort of a command performance. I think it's pretty well accepted that uh, Queen Elizabeth wanted wanted to see Shakes, uh, wanted to see Falstaff in love. In love. That's the legend as she saw the Henry IVs and said, I want to see Sir John in love. And then there's, part of the legend is like it was written in two weeks. I've heard that for and, and, a fortnight. And, yeah. Yeah, and, and I don't know. I think it's a, it's, it's, uh, the writing gets a little sloppy at times or unfinished. And who knows whether that's because text was lost or whether it didn't get finished because it was written so hastily. But there's some very witty, good material for Falstaff to chew on in terms of wit and images that I think <laughs> equal well some of the Henry IV um, characters' wit. And um, we were talking the other day that the difference with this play is that he doesn't, because he's out of town, he's in Windsor rather than in court, is that he doesn't have Hal to push up against nor or to aspire to, right? Yeah, I think in the history, he's got Hal, he's got love coming from Hal. And even though Hal tricks him a couple times and they do make fun of each other, there is a partnership that they feel in that play. And of course, until he's banished, or until he's denied anyway. And um, and in this play, he doesn't have that partner. Uh, any of the folks that came with him to Windsor, um, he sort of disbands them. He, he gets rid of them. And he fires them and he's a, he's a loner. And so he gets himself into... Uh, what he thinks might be a, a ruse that will win him both love and money, um, and we find that he gets duped. Um, so although the, the history is a little bit fuzzy, the, the play takes place more or less in 1414. Where, where are you setting it, Tim? 1895. Well, that makes sense. So, Windsor, <laughs> 1895. Um, one of the reasons was, one of the first things that Brenda said when she hired me, she said, I want there to be music. 
So we've created some songs based on text and situations within, like the Down and Down and Down and, and the Pincham song and To Shallow Rivers are all in the play itself. But we've added a song for Anne and Fenton called Constantly. We've added um, uh, some scene change stuff, the Grab a drinking, Cup, the drinking, drinking songs. songs. And we have, we have uh, we've created an anthem for the garter ceremony because the play, the reason the play happens is that every year in Windsor, there is this ceremony of the garter that happens. And it still happens to this day. This is a true thing. And the queen and um, I think there's 24 garter knights and no more than that. If I'm getting my numbers, I might be getting them mixed up. But you can go on Google and look it up. The ceremony <laughs> of the garter. And every year they come to Windsor Castle and there's this little ceremony. And these guys are pretty old. There's also a kind of color guard of knights who aren't garter knights, but who are kind of on, I don't want to say on the dole of the state, but <laughs> they, they are also there as a kind of color guard for the, the, the ritual and the ceremony of this stuff. And we think that Sir John Falstaff might be one of those guys, not a knight of the garter, but one of the color guard guys. And so this idea of uh, Windsor being invaded by city people this small town being invaded by city people is really what the play is about. Because both Falstaff and Fenton are both from out of town, as is Shallow is from out of town. And they're all staying at the Garter Inn. And um, so this idea of what happens when strangers comes to town and how they kind of stir things up is really what the play is about. Because I find that the center of the play is the two marriages, the marriage of the Fords and the marriages of the Pages, and how these two outsiders, Falstaff with the Fords, Fenton with the Pages, kind of make them re-examine what their marriages are like and their family life are like. Now, in the director notes in the thing, I talk about the Andy Griffith show, that I love the Andy Griffith <laughs> show, and that it feels to me that Mary Wise of Windsor is a slice of life just like... The Andy Griffith Show is. It's a character comedy more than a farce. I don't find it farcical. I mean, it has its farcical moments, but there are not three doors slamming, so it doesn't hmm. do that. Does a guy get pushed in a basket? Yes. Does a, does a guy go and drag to, to get out of the house? Absolutely. So there's those moments. But um, also I reference in the director's notes, The Music Man, which Falstaff is a lot because he's trying to con these women out of money. So it is a little like Harold Hill coming to town, this small town, and trying to take advantage of the rubes who are in this town. And that is the basis, I think, for all of the comedy in this. Tim, Tim has talked about uh, the, in the very first scene that there is a, a, a tough scene to get through. Um, there's a lot of plot and a lot of relationships related in that first scene. But uh, from the first time we spoke, he said he brought up this, this small town uh, uh, River City, Mayberry sort of feel. And he says, and it, it feels like Falstaff is a celebrity who has come there. He is a knight. And, uh, and he feels that he has no peers there. He has no, he could, he could dupe them. He can talk circles around them. He feels like he's around, among the, the country rural folks and he can have his way with the, whatever he wants to do. And it's a great in, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and of course, we know that that's not true. You know, we, we find know out that in no. Andy Griffith, when the city slickers would come to town and try to dupe them, that he would figure that out and he would find a way around that. And the wives, what's great about the wives is that they take care of it themselves. 
They're very, um, uh, they, they, they're workers. These wives in this production, they work. They, they, they have to take care of their own houses. Yes, they have servants, but they are not ladies of leisure. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. And this thing about singing, so the play opens up with this anthem of the garter, which is based a little on Meet Me in St. Louis. If you know the movie Meet Me in St. Louis, and, they, and it kind of kicks off, you know, the women are in the kitchen making ketchup, and they're going, oh, no, one says it's too sweet, the other one says it's too salty, that kind of thing. And then, and then the kids come in, and they start singing that song, and various people sing that song. So we wrote this garter song that people just sing because it is the song of the thing. It's not a musical comedy, it's a song. And in, in the movie Meet Me in St. Louis, the father comes home and he goes, stop singing that song. I'm tired <laughs> of hearing that song. And, but that's it. People are proud of their city. They're proud of it. At the very top of the show, they're decorating the town with bunting and union jacks and all of that stuff. So there's a, also a little bit of Wells Fargo wagon. It's like the excitement of, it's what we do on 4th of July. You know, we decorate and we do the thing and we have civic pride and we spruce our town up. And we sing songs. And we sing songs. So why mm -hmm. that specific do. year, though? Does that tie in with it? With what? Well, 1985, what's interesting about 1985... Or, or eight, 1895. Oh, 1895, sorry, yeah. dyslexia. 1895 is that um, that decade, the British were re... Um, they were collecting folk songs. They were finding their own national musical identity. The other thing that happened was music hall was becoming huge. So uh, middle class people were starting to go to music hall and to the theater. And the other thing that was happening is was there was a nationalism that was starting to happen against the continent, both politically and musically. Because music up to that time had been Brahms, Wagner, Beethoven, those guys, Schubert, Schumann, and that's what the music was. And the British didn't have any kind of national composer. Rayfond Williams was just coming up, Elgar was just coming up, and they started collecting folk stuff. So this kind of musical idiom that is Great Britain and that we think of was starting to be re-examined and re-collected to the continent. So that's interesting. We also, um, we wanted there to be a kind of war because um, Falstaff talks about soldiers and soldiering on and those kind of things. So these guys are basically Boer War, the first Boer War, which was 1880, 1881. The sense is that they were serving in that, that he might have been at the end, Falstaff might have been at the end of his military career, but Nim, Pistol, and Bardolph are all kind of mercenaries within that war and now come to Windsor as part of his retinue. So the period feels right to me. And in that period, you also had duels were still happening among society that wasn't unheard of. And uh, will the set be um, realistic and costumes, period costumes? Or? Period costumes, absolutely, and fairly realistic. The set is actually pretty simple, kind of, I guess, would you say? Mm, some Yeah, stair units and uh, uh, the bunting will be, is yeah. that on all the time? The bunting's on all the time, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and um, there's there's stair units. I, there's 27 people in the cast, which I've been told is the biggest cast ever here on this stage. Is that 27 true? actors and a and a dog? dog. Oh, so a really, dog. 28 yeah. characters. <laughs> and um, are just there, are, there are there two are dogs? I mean, is there an understudy dog and a real dog? I don't think I don't know. If we don't have, know an have an understudy dog we, like we did in Two Gents. We had an understudy yeah, there dog. Was, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I wanted staircases because there's so many people, and I wanted to get them up 
and it felt like the image for the set was an anthill or a beehive. This sense of ant farm building, 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 working. I needed the sense of working up and down, up and down, going around, going around, going around, that you have to, you have all roads kind of lead and into the center of town. And you've never done this play before, Tim. I never have. This is the first play. This is my fourth production for APT, but it's the first time I've worked on a play that I'd never directed before. And Brian, is this your first fall step? Uh, it, well, it's my second time in Merry Wives. I played Bardolph last time we did it, and uh, but it's my second uh, Falstaff. I played him in uh, when uh, Jim DeVita did an adaptation, uh, uh, Henry IV, The Making of a King. Uh, I got to play Falstaff in a in a mashup of Henry IV Part One and Two, so so I've got to play play them both. Um, and it's interesting. I do notice the differences, but there's also uh, wonderful. Uh, similarities between them too. Um, I'm not going to say which one I prefer because I haven't fully realized this one yet. So. <laughs> and you haven't had the pleasure of being Falstaff on a hot day yet. I haven't. And I've also not had the pleasure of being Falstaff with an audience yet because as we record these before the season opens, um, I'm waiting to find out what is funny and what is not. Yeah, the, I keep telling Brian, because he's got this big fat suit that he wears, I go, you gotta love your belly, you gotta love your belly, you gotta love your belly. <laughs> you know, I mean, the ego of the guy equals his girth, and, and the play does say he is two, two yards, two yards around. Yeah. He's two yards around. And I told Holly, I asked, that um, we be as close to that as we possibly can be and not look absurd about it and we are kind of mm -hmm. and um but you gotta the ego is huge and i think part of the comedy is in that ego and it's great now i think part of um part of the loving of his belly uh my wife and i were talking about this the other day is that that belly is not only the belly but it's the byproduct of all the desire and appetite that falstaff gives himself free reign to enjoy so he's loving not only the belly, but the life he's chosen and the life he, the life he has let himself have. Yeah. So. We're very much pursuing that belly love. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm you'll, sure, you'll see some belly love. Yes. I'm sure we'll see belly loves and belly laughs. Thank you both very much. You're Thank welcome. You. Thank you. Talkbacks to Go is a production of Orange Tree Imports, Pro Video and Film, and Audio for the Arts. Your host is Oren Schroeder. I'm Buzz Kemper. Our music is by Steve Tibbetts and is used by permission of the artist. Please find us on iTunes and YouTube under APT Talkbacks to Go. Thank you for listening. <laughs>